And a warm welcome back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast with myself, your host, Dan Palmer. Where in this episode, I share with you a a delightful dialogue with Bill Horton, a longtime follower of the project and a a patron, a supporter of the project, who reached out recently, as you'll hear in the in the conversation, and invited invited the conversation. And uh, it was it was a real joy. I really appreciated the energy Bill uh, Bill brought, and very much look forward to, to to staying in touch. And such a thrill to be a able to engage with folk who have so earnestly been diving in to so many relevant resources and books and um, educational experiences and, and, and one's own projects and so on. So that's going to be, I'm sure you're going to enjoy that as well. All right, what else? Oh, yes, the book. The book. I've got to tell you about the book. So it's it's occasionally one of you out there says, Dan, what's happening with the book? Because <laughs> I mentioned it's been in the pipeline for a couple of years. The book is powering ahead, powering ahead right now. The, this is the Making Permaculture Stronger book, by the way. This is, I've got two books on the go. One of them is sharing the first few years of uh, Making Permaculture Stronger inquiries and, and rewriting those into a book format. And the second is about living design process. I'm talking about the first book. And I'm, I've committed to get it, get it to the folks that are interested in publishing it, who are Melidora Publishing, by the middle of this month. That's happening. Working closely with... Renata, a lovely illustrator based in Brazil, who I met when she was woofing in New Zealand some time back, and um, and 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 really benefiting from many members of the of the of the community, making permaculture stronger community as proofreaders and editors and so on. Most prominently, right now, my dear friend and long-term collaborator James Andrews. So I'll keep you posted about that. My intention, I guess, is to I don't know, it'd be good to have the thing in the bag by at least mid 2022. In some ways. I mean, I'm really excited to share it as a contribution in its own right, um, and in some ways, it feels like a uh, not a practice run, but a, a definitely a stepping stone toward what to me is more of the full Monty, which is the full blown book on living design process, which is less about um, kind of engaging with and maybe modifying somewhat conventional understandings of permaculture design process, and just going for it, you know, starting in a different place and entering. Uh, in some ways, like the the full the full blown energy of phase two of making permaculture stronger. For those of you that recall, like the cutting down of the permaculture tree, like cutting it right back to the ground, um, and and letting the letting the the trunk and the 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 canopy and the leaves and everything fall where they fall and compost back through, in order to support the the regeneration of fresh permaculture design process understandings that stem up grow up from permaculture's radical originating impulse rather than, as I claim, um, has been happening for a long time, just getting tacked on from outside and sucked in from engineering and in one way or another um, being severely compromised by by the culturally dominant mechanical uh, worldview, which has us unwittingly and mostly unconsciously killing the world with our eyes and our minds before we even interact with it and then um, using mechanical processes to generate what ultimately... Uh, mechanical outcomes. Um, anyway, I want to mention the the support that I'm so grateful for. Things are ramping up here, so if you if you'd like to contribute to the ramping up, you know stuff is happening. I'm booking a lot of really interesting conversations, and there's a lot more writing happening than has happened for a long time. Um, if you would like to flow some some love toward that, hit up makingpermaculturestronger.net/support. Thank you very much. If that feels like something you'd like to do, and 
Aside from that, let's jump into the conversation with Bill and I will catch you on the next episode of the one and only Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. You called the chat, so do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what you'd like out of it? And, and um, Well, you know, I'm just intrigued as hell, Dan, to know where you're going, man. I'm so excited about, uh, you know, your 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 undertaking here. This is a big deal, and I, I've... You know, you can tell from the resources and the fact that I just waded through the four volume set of Christopher Alexander. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, and I have to say, book four, the last half, I was just like reading the first part, the first sentence or two in a paragraph. It just it's a lot. It's a lot to comprehend. And to, yeah. to, to but, you know, having spent all these years and all this time, um, looking at this stuff, trying to get to that point where I go, oh, I get it. I'm just intrigued to see where you're taking this. Um, meaning I know, you know, you're, you're trying to strengthen the design process. And I'm curious to know if, if, if you're, willing and able to talk about that because i know when you're working on a book sometimes you know which i almost felt like i should tell you that I, i'm not writing a book i'm not uh, <laughs> i'm not doing a podcast i'm not trying to steal your ideas or anything but you know i know you've worked very 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 hard and very long on this and uh and i'm just intrigued to say where 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 are you going with it i'm just intrigued to see where you're going well, that is such a lovely question to receive, and, and and I'd love to explore that with you. It's a really good time for the question to arrive and land, as it turns out. Let's go directly into that space. Before we do that, I might refresh that email just to remind myself of just tune into what will be common reference points. So I'm just going to bring that up quickly. Here we, here we go. So you've got two permaculture design certificate courses, one with Wayne Wiseman. Weissman, yeah. Weissman, yeah. yeah. He co-authored Integrated Forest Designs. Yep, yep. Uh, then you've done a third with an online PDC with Jeff Lawton. I did the first one with Jeff Lawton, but didn't get the PDC because, like I said, I didn't uh, submit yep. uh, a site yep. plan, didn't have a site to plan at that point, and uh, wanted the PDC. So I went ahead and took a second one, uh, which was spread out over some weekends uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, and then uh, I went and took the third one uh, with Wayne uh, over over on the on the far side of Wisconsin on the Wisconsin uh, Minnesota border. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah, that's really great to tune into. You've done three. I mean, there's some questions that I'd, I'd be curious to ask about that as well. Um, so you've done the Regenesis course, that the, the um, regenerative oh, yes. practitioner course with Joel yeah, Glansberg yeah, and other yeah. characters from Regenesis. Yeah. Yes. Which is awesome yeah. to so you've got that sense of what they're on about and what they what they bring and that's obviously one um, lineage that I've been tapping into. By the way, I've, I've got another um, podcast booked in with Carol Sanford. It's kind of like a Christmas gift to my audience. She suggests she suggests she's going to talk about her latest book. But that's that's going nice. to be fun. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, she's powerful. And I mentioned in there, uh, I had read her book, the uh, yep. one on life, regenerative life, the one that you were. Yep participant and contributor to yep. um yeah yep and then you've done the online rigorians course with darren doherty and team yes 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 that, um, really significant body of work and uh, darren's also been you know we've 
worked closely together for, for some years and was a really important influence too in my journey. And you've done a class on regeneration with Guy University, which I've heard mention of, but I don't I don't know a whole lot about it. But I understand they do good stuff. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they require a permaculture background to be able to sign up for those courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we can learn more about that. And um, you've listened to every Making Permaculture Stronger podcast I've ever posted so many times. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I think you I think over the years you might have mentioned some of the ones you listen to more than once, but I'm almost yeah, be curious. Um and, and then you've said you've think you think you've read every book on permaculture out there, except maybe some of the most recent ones, and, starting with Permaculture yeah. One right up to Richer Suburbia. This is cool. I mean, I really feel like I have to ask you first, because you've died, you've read a lot of books, you've had a lot of experiences, you've had a lot of reflections. Um, you've tuned into a lot of leading um, thinkers and pioneers in the space of whatever we call it, permaculture regeneration. Like, oh, and, and then along with that, you've also tuned deeply, you've, you've made it through all four volumes of Christopher Alexander's masterwork, which he's worked on for like 30 years, and which to me contains the seeds of a whole new cosmology and, and way of being alive and all the rest. Do you feel like you have a sense of how all those things might feed into a certain direction? Where's it heading for you? Before I share where it's heading for me, where, where I'm going with it. Where are you going with it? Well, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a big deal. It's a big concept. And I, a couple of years ago, I had asked you if you had come across a book or I'd, I kind of was hoping you'd look it up. It was written by George Leonard called Mastery. And it's the same process as Joshua Rohr has on his field process model that George Leonard laid out that human beings go through over time where they immerse themselves into something and, and then it just becomes over, overwhelming. And then if they have the faculties or some vision or ideology or something to allow them to continue to struggle with that information, you know, ultimately then they have these epiphanies and these break breakthroughs and um, all the way through, I, before I sent you the email, I, I had constructed a couple of emails to you recently and then deleted them. And uh, one of them, I said, you know, I, I, I was going to tell you kind of, I was working through the, the blue books and, uh, and I said, there, I have this sense that I'm just always right on the brink of a breakthrough, an aha experience where suddenly I go, oh, I get this. I finally get this stuff. And, uh, and then 10 minutes, it'll be followed by a thought like, what the hell good is all this junk anyway? <laughs> you know, so so there's been this, this progression of continued investigation, but always feeling like there was something that I wasn't getting. And uh, so it's been a journey of that, that very thing I was describing about continuing in, in the confusion with some sort of instinctive drive, letting me know that, you know, if you stay the course on this thing, you will ultimately go, oh, and I know I sent you an email because you've, I think you use it on your looping on your, on your webpage. There's some quote by me. And I realized that that's what you had done. You dove into this thing and you 
you dove into this thing and it's big and it's 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 tough. It's a tough thing to unravel all the various components and pieces of any any study, if you will, and then and then to stay long enough and to have the rigor, a word I think we might be using some more here, to stay the course and then start to put that back together. And I guess that's kind of where I am right now. I'm like, okay, I'm really starting to put this together. I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to see what it is, if you will. And uh, that's when I thought, well, maybe I have enough knowledge now that if I connect with Dan, my hope is that you hang up and I hang up and go, yeah, yeah, I got some more pieces. This is fitting together better. And I'm hoping you, you know, get done and go, wow, he has some good nuggets. That, that can use that, that kind of thing. So there we are. Yeah, so there we are. What a, what a lovely lead in. So one thing I just wanted to ask a little bit more about is you, you talked about the sense that maybe at some point the curtains will fall away or, you know, and suddenly things will be clear. Whereas in my experience, it never, it, that happens in a small way continuously. You know, there's, there's ongoing epiphanies, realizations, mm -hmm. things getting clearer. But there's no, seems so far, it seems like there's no one <laughs> great moment. Have you experienced that? Like along the way, there's moments of like, oh my gosh, this is, they're talking about the same thing or, you know, presumably that's happening as you're diving in. Yeah, yeah. And I when I when I say I get to that final, I get it thing, I think... I think that's the point where you can put it to work. You know, I mean, you can have epiphanies along the way and go, oh, oh, I get that. Okay. You, okay. And then, and then you imagine yourself and, I, you know, you do design, I imagine myself designing properties and, and there's questions again, you start questioning again. It's like, well, oh, well, how would I do that? And then, so I think the, the, I'm at that point that, you know, that breakthrough point where, I feel now like I put enough of the pieces together that, that I could start designing. The other thing I think that comes from that, Dan, is that, um, you know, I gave a permaculture talk maybe two years ago uh, at my church. Mm -hmm. And uh, afterwards, the thing that I realized is, I think if you really know your subject you kind of just go give the talk and it really doesn't matter because if somebody asks you a question, you're deep enough into it that you can pull out of your own spirit and being the information that you need. And they go, Oh, okay. I get that. And I realized after that talk that I garbled out some stuff and I had a flip chart and blah, 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 but I didn't, I, I was frustrated. I was like, no, I don't have this yet. I don't, and I, and I don't like not having it yet. Mm -hmm. So, so that's this process of, like I said, I feel like I'm at that point now where I'm starting to put it together in a way that I could probably give a reasonably good talk uh, with reasonably satisfying and accurate answers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... You, I don't know if I should start up with another thing just yet, or, or is there a path we're on that, that you want to continue no, on for? No, yeah, no, throw, throw it in, yeah. I, uh, talking about these, these mini epiphanies, if you will, along the way, mm -hmm. um, I had one, 
I've been working on this idea, okay? We show up on this planet, right? We just, bam, there we are. We're born, you know, whatever. We live life. We start to gain some consciousness. And, you know, here we are. And, and, and now we're, we're trying to unravel and understand this thing, this wholeness thing, right? This, here it is. We, you know, like Carol Sanford said, there is no nature, you know, because we're part of it, well, no, we're not parts either, right? I mean, so I've been wrestling with that conceptually. And one morning I woke up and I went, oh, and it's a metaphor. And I know you'll appreciate this, I think. I mean, I think you'll appreciate that it's a metaphor anyway. But I woke up thinking about what if you were an infant, a baby, and you were just born and your mother played in, in a symphony. And it turns out that you were blind and deaf, but your mother brought you to the symphony every day. So what you have is you're, you're being brought into something that's already in existence. It's already resonating. It's already nesting. It's already coordinating. So all these people are participating in this process of making this beautiful music. And you are now part of it. You are now in it. You are now experiencing it vibrationally. And I decided, I decided in that metaphor that I had to, first I was going to say that, you know, you, you could see, but you couldn't hear. But then I decided it would be even better. And the reason that comes to mind like that, Dan, is I think about nature out there. And I think about the mycelium and the plants and the interconnections and the communication and the niches and the, you know, and the fact that you could bulldoze off a piece of property and just get the hell out of there for 50 years and come back. And the whole thing would be just doing what it needed to do. And you wouldn't have a damn clue how any of that even happened. So this idea of being born into a completely functioning system. What brought that metaphor on is I keep thinking about, you know, if I, if I put a seed in the ground, well, that seed already exists. It's already part of a very big system. If I bring a potted plant home and take it out and stick it in the ground, that's just, that's just me moving stuff around. That's, that'd be like the infant crawling around amongst the band instruments and, and, and touching things and feeling things and trying to understand. But how can you find a way to participate in that, in that orchestra somehow? And, and to, be, to be assigned the task of, as permaculturists, or at least the study of regenerative stuff that I've been on for all these years, to think, how can I go outside and at the end of the day, know that I'm not what Bill Mollison said, not only getting it wrong, but getting it almost completely wrong. You know, how, how can I know that when I take something that's alive and pop it out of a plant and put it somewhere that, that I've, back to the metaphor, that I, I'm not just banging on some strings and the orchestra is like, get that kid out of here. You know, they're, they're, they're disrupting things, you know? So to try to comprehend something as big and as complex as this planet and this ecosystem and all of this stuff and not only comprehend it in some way but also participate mm -hmm. and not just 
not just participate by, you know, sucking your thumb off to the side because your mother's in the thing. But ultimately, this is a, a metaphor here, and I, I never developed it this far until now. But, you know, to in the end, to know that, you know, that you're really participating. You know, I found it interesting that Christopher Alexander talked about when you create something that's alive, that's whole, there's, there's a sense of wanting to weep or you actually do weep. And I feel that sense right now explaining this metaphor because to know at the end that not only were you born into that environment, but now maybe you're 47 years old and you're the lead violinist and you're deaf and you're blind. Tell me that wouldn't bring tears to your eyes and maybe other people's eyes too, to go, not only did I comprehend these vibrations, but I was able to participate and ultimately contribute in a way that carried it forward and made it better. Yeah, thanks, Bill. What a rich doorway. There's two, I don't know if you say there's two sides of it that you brought up. And I like the aspect of one option is to sit off to the side and suck on our thumb or our dummies. Or, um, but there's the, comp, there's the comprehending and then there's the participating. I feel like in the past, those two probably weren't separate. You, you were born into participation and, yeah, and, the, and the comprehension or the, the grasp of this larger life, large living system that you were born into, they emerged as one. Whereas the way I see it, we need to, we don't need to do anything. There's no should in this, but we have the potential. There is the possibility of like relearning how to comprehend, to, to even see, you know. And that's a huge part of Alexander's whole thing, right, is before anything else, he's striving with everything he's got to get across the idea that what he calls wholeness, but what you could call life, or, or beauty in a, a much deeper sense than it's usually the, the, these things are real you know that they're real and and we can engage with them and see them and, and work with them and we've lost track of that so it's 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 the starting point you know as, as you're talking about how permaculture fits into all this i had an image of it's it's something that's emerged for me quite recently but i have a sense that a lot of permaculture ultimately is and will continue to be a just different variety of the same fragmented mechanistic um, approach that humans are becoming famous for famous across the universe. And yet there's interest in permaculture and people in permaculture and ideas and practices that, that are about more than that. And, and to me, that's backing up and re, and recomprehending. I don't know if it ties into the metaphor about in a sense, re, like learning that we have been um, deaf and blind to the life that we are and it's all around us. It's even, even learning to experience it, experience it again. And then the participation and the creation and everything else follows from that. Yeah. It's certainly become clearer and clearer to me with huge inspiration from Christopher Alexander, from Carol Sanford and others that, that we're, it's like culturally we're trapped in a, in a cage of, of fragmentation and in re, reductionism and mechanism and and all, all all that follows this whole maze or labyrinth or machine of ideas 
and but it's, and it's possible to to some degree not it's not like a, just a single aha moment but it's it's, it's possible to in a way re- relocate our point of origin or our center of gravity back out toward life but man it's a big pill to swallow you know it's a it's a it's a big that was a big deal for me i mean there was a lot of sadness in that as well i've forgotten how alexander talked about sadness as an inherent quality of the creation of beauty yeah it was it was the very end of book four yeah um, that he talked about about that, and and I know that emotion. Been very creative my my entire life, and uh, you know this the house that Tina and I just bought. Well, we bought it a year ago. We're we're being very creative. Uh, you know every every windowsill in the house we're tiling with decorative Italian tiles, and and every one is different. So, you know, I, I told her, I said, I imagine someday a family coming to visit and, and a, a young child running from window to window going, mommy, look, they're all different. <laughs> and, uh, and it's interesting, again, how that unfolds, you know, this, this, like the process of life, you know, and that, and that's to me why that orchestra metaphor makes sense. Because when, at, at, when Alexander shows the pictures of, of, life unfolding you know you, you you look at this plate and that plate and you, you you know you can see that when it differentiated you can still see some of the basic structures that were there previously but it has differentiated now and again to to come into a system um and say well okay how do I start interacting with its unfolding, with its differentiation to, to create a garden, to create a forest garden, to create a permaculture site where, again, I bring those pieces together. Pieces, see, there it is. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to pull that into the foreground. Is that, that's, that's the mechanistic cage, but just one of its many tentacles is that often we even construe what we're trying to do is figure out what the pieces are and how, and how, how do they come together. And it's in all of us, right? These, they're just these deeply mechanistic ways of thinking. And part of, like very close to the heart of it, what, of, what of this is about for me is, is really, <clears throat> it's almost like self-surgery. It's getting to the roots of that whole idea and, and getting, getting, it, getting it out so it can be replaced by the idea of, of unfolding differentiation and the, the iterative incremental enhancement of wholeness and life and beauty. In, in a, and you see, you mentioned the word rigor, right? And it's part of Alexander's gift is that it's not just these terms that for a lot of people sound wafty and things like hippies would say around the fire, smoking weed and playing the ukulele, but he does it with an extraordinary rigor and robustness yeah. and replicability, you know, and self-consciousness. Yeah. Um, when, when I took one of my permaculture certifications, I... I got so angry one day. I was so just boiling angry because it was so woo-woo, Dan, that it was it was just oh, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. And again, what I'm coming to lately is that I was thinking about this just before we connected. You know, if 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 I was doing a large site with a client yeah. and we were working on the water component, 
in a slope site and it would make sense to put a dam in. I still need to take the needs of the client into consideration. If the clients, you know, if, if we got a price and it was $10,000 and the client said, oh my gosh, I can't afford to do that. Um, regardless of if I finished that, if it went the other way and we finished it, and I went out there a few months later when things were growing and it was really performing well, and I wanted to weep because it was so beautiful and it fit in so perfectly, right? The feedback that I'm seeing is, is, is the, the thing Alexander talks about, seeing yourself in the work, that resonance, that, that connection. And it's funny because I started reading um, The Timeless Way of Building first. That was the first Alexander book. And when he started talking about the quality that had no name, I went, oh, God, this is another one of those books I'm going to wade through and go, well, that, 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 that was useless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but instead, what happened is somewhere along the line, I realized whenever I, whenever I grade dirt with a rake, you know, there's some process that's going on where you're, you, you run over to one area and you look and you compare it to the slope behind it on that side, you go over there and you look at the low spot and there's a bump and you go and you rake the bump down and there's a point where you go, oh, that's it, that's it. It looks, it looks freaking awesome, right? And, and so I recognized that, that those were the patterns that Alexander was talking about. I'm like, oh, okay, I've been doing that for a long, long, long time. And then I started to see that I used that same feedback mechanism, that, that sense of, like I said, these, these windowsills are all, we're making them all different. And, 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 and there's this, like almost daily, I have this overwhelming gratitude. I just go oh my god look what we're doing here look look at this house i mean look at this property i mean we're so fortunate to be where we are and stuff so i'm realizing that alexander is talking about that quality that resonance that comes when something is done right um and dave jackie talks about you know, bringing those forces together so that it creates peace within you. And one of those forces, of course, is the, the client's needs and desires as, as well. Because again, back to that damn thing, uh, you know, you couldn't go, you couldn't go to the guy, well, it, it has to be there. It's just, that's, that's, it needs a dam. You got to put a dam there. You know, it's like back off, See, see what he can afford, see what other things we could do with the resources that are available. And in the end, if I had that same sense of like, oh my God, this is beautiful. We did such an amazing job with this. You know, I was making some notes yesterday. I was listening to you and, uh, and Jason on your most recent podcast and making some notes. And I thought, well, I wrote, um, you know, if I created my site here, if I, if I went out and laid this out and literally as often as I could stood back and felt like I wanted to weep because I got it so right, right? I, I, I wrote this question. 
I wonder if another permaculture designer came into that environment, if he wouldn't stand there with his mouth open going, this is gorgeous. And I, and I wrote, yeah, absolutely. Just like a church, just like Alexander talks about, you go in a church and you're just, it just shuts off your internal dialogue with the beauty of it. And you're able to experience something way deeper because of shutting off the dialogue. Yeah. I want to tell you a story. I, I just, I just heard from uh, Renata, a friend of mine, she's helping me illustrate my books and um, she had an experience where in a village in Brazil, she I can't remember the rest of the story, but her and her partner, Tiago, and her, they, they went to visit a, a home, somebody. And as she arrived at the home and they went inside the home, she just gradually felt this feeling, this unfamiliar feeling. And it was to do with the quality of the home, of just how it, how it felt, how it hanged, hung together, how it spoke to her soul. And I don't know if she said that exactly, but that was the idea. That was the gist. And we've been doing a little bit of work together and she's learned about Christopher Alexander through that. Um, and so later in the... And she, and she, initially it's like well this you know this person's obviously never heard of Christopher Alexander this is interesting because it seems to be and, and later in the day in the conversation she mentioned Christopher Alexander and the, the guy was like oh my god you know about Christopher Alexander and I, I think I'm his biggest fan in Brazil and so on and so forth and it went in there which is so exciting when those things happen and that resonated perfectly to, to an experience that I'd had where, where I was in my mind I was just running into a random address to grab some notes to get back to the course on time and all this and as I walked up the up the garden path, I was so kind of in my mind, it's in such a hurry, it took 20 or 30 meters, but it was just like I just got impacted, you know, just it was just like a big slap or something, or not really a slap, just a wave. And as I arrived at the house, it, it was amplified and just, you know, took my breath away. And mm. and and straight away I was like, this is it. <laughs> this is what Alexander's talking about. This is the quality without a name. Mm. And I spoke to the the owner, place called Paradiso della Morte, Luisa, and she'd she'd never heard of Alexander, Christopher Alexander, but she mentioned this guy Zon, who who helped her a lot with the building, was the builder, and so I, I I tracked him down and we became friends, and he 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 was familiar with Alexander, you know, which which is incredible, to and it, it you know not not massively, but he'd read Alexander's book and had been influenced by the pattern language and been influenced by the ideas. It excites me so much because in these cases, you know, what what happened was. Alexander's effort, which in so many ways seems to have failed, right? Like, like latent in Alexander's body of work is, is the seed of a whole different way of, an aspect of a different way of being human, certainly a, different, a completely different approach to architecture and how we create and design, which if you look around the world, obviously hasn't been realized or caught. That doesn't have much momentum. And yet people are able to engage with a book, you know, and, and get a sense and that's able to flow into their processes that we, we, we can generate this thing that needs to be experienced. And, and there's people that come to these, the, the latter property I mentioned, they fall to their knees and start weeping you know, mm. in the courtyard. I don't know why. It's because the place is alive and that's so rare. And, and that was beautiful. You talked about the process of raking out the ground. And, and I don't know if you've looked at notes on, on, on the synthesis of form, Alexander's yes. 1964 mm -hmm. book, where mm -hmm. it talks about the process of, of removing um tensions or removing discrepancies mm -hmm. between what he calls form and context you know the, the actual parameters or things we can't change and that, that what we can shape or or shift and as we gradually remove each discrepancy 
we bring context and form into the state of what he called frictionless coexistence. Mm, mm, and and mm, that yes. that quality of tensionlessness is, I mean, it, guides, it brings up a lot for me to, to go back and revisit those epiphanies, you know, to realize, because we, we have the very, very um, harsh separation in our minds, usually between whatever we mean by nature, which I think is a, a problematic uh, abstraction. But let's say the rest of the living world and then the, the, hum, the built human environment. You know, so often, I mean, you said it yourself earlier, nature out there, you know, that, that's quite deep, that idea that I'll, I'll say, what do you think about the environment to someone and they'll gaze wistfully out the window and look at the mountains in the distance or whatever it is. It's, it, that's, that's the first impulse when, of course, we, like this, our cells, the, everything that's happening inside our bodies are equally singing to the same tune. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, whereas that, that, that epiphany that Alexander led me to, realizing that a natural process that kind of effortlessly and ongoingly eliminates tension between form and context, that leads to deeply adapted systems that are free of tension. And that's what we feel when we look at a wave or we look at the sand dunes or we walk through a forest. And it's possible for us to feel that when we walk into a property or into a cathedral, you know, that, that we can build things that have that same tensionlessness, um, which means we can deeply relax on, a, on, a, on an incredibly deep level and be held and supported and nourished in ways we've forgotten the possible. And, 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 and oh my God, you know, what, what, how that opens up the, the possibility that humans not only aren't better off killing themselves, but they can fully participate in that larger orchestra and contribute. And, and the, the, the felt sense of moving from a human environment to a greater than human environment suddenly is so soft and continuous. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. So one of the places that brings me to, Dan, right now is that when I was doing the work with Regenesis, um, I... <laughs> Matter of fact, Joel Glansberg dropped an F-bomb on one of the Zoom classes because I made a comment. I think I really upset him. When I, when I met him at the live session in Pittsburgh, I said, hey, I'm the guy that got you to drop the F-bomb. <laughs> but, but the sense, this, this idea that we can, you know, remove the tensions, right? What, what, what was just eating at me during that regenesis class, that whole process was if I didn't know what a carrot was or a rutabaga or a, you know, an apple or whatever, I don't, I just don't think that if I go into a deep enough meditative state that I would know enough to go out and part, I, I almost wanted to say put things together, but mm. participate in a way that would be an orchestration of what's already there. So the thing that was making me so angry at the second permaculture design course was there was no rigor. I mean, I, I have this sense that I, I still I still need rigor. And that's why I really like Darren Doherty's process. Yeah. 
because there is a, there you know and that is a in my opinion that is a pattern language i mean you start with this you look at you know you get you find the the weather data there how many frost free days are you having how much rainfall are you having what you know let's get this data down about you know the environment you're standing in and going to work in and then continue to piece that together um uh, you know, so that is that is indeed a pattern language. So for a while, I was struggling with this idea that, you know, if you just if you just went into this deep non-linguistic meditative state that you'd walk outside and start putting stuff together and, you know, have a, an amazing permaculture site. And it just it just doesn't. I can't imagine that's real. I can't imagine that's true. And that's one of the deep things that I wanted to ask you, where are you going, Dan? What, I know you're making permaculture stronger and I know it's basically the design part of this that I think is where you're seeing a work to be done. So I get, I get the feedback that we can get when we do something right. But I'm wondering how, because even Josh Aurore in, in, you know, I think, did you interview him just twice? Yeah. In one of them, he talked about, he said, he told the students that in order to get their diploma, they had to write down the process that they used to get their design. Yeah. And most of them had no clue how they got their design. And Josh said he and, what was his Sonia. name? Sonia. They, they realized that they didn't even use the process that they were teaching. Hmm in the end to, to, to make a design. So, so um, yeah, so, so, you know, I, again, I was intrigued about how you were going to move this thing forward because I, there, ha, there seems like there has to be a methodology. There, there has to be a process. You, you have to have knowledge of some of the components, even though, you know, we, we want to look at it as a whole. You, I think you still have to have knowledge of some of the components. And then when you put those components together, when that feedback comes where you, you feel love, you feel this, this crazy emotion that you want to weep, that it's so beautiful, that, that you know instinctively that that's, that's, that's put together in a way that's, as good as it can be. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, I mean, it isn't insignificant to me how, just how deeply we do, like the put methodology, I mean, even for Carol, feedback itself is, a, is directly from the world of machines, but the whole, the whole framing of, of, of putting together. I, and it's, it's, it's funny, it's funny for me, like I'm doing some work on myself at the moment because there's a sense in which I've gone a fair way with this. And, you know, I, I have a, I, my story is my experiences that I have a fairly, a relatively fleshed out approach to what I'm calling living design process that has rigor and has clarity and has, um, I think what you're getting at there, it's not just like just bask in the hole and let the universe tell you, you know, what that's not, there's nothing like that. It's communicable. It's replicable. And not only that, but I've got a whole, quite uh, not a small numbers, like 10 or so actual real examples of, of full-blown living design process on the ground and, and how that was for, for people and, and so on. And so that, 
there's that's a big part of where I'm heading. And there's a few things I feel like like I don't know if you I guess you call them loose ends. I want to tie up with with making permaculture stronger before I really cut to that chase. Well, I, I'm often asking myself, why not just cut to the chase now? And part of that is around. I mean, right now I'm just seeing through some stuff stimulated by that recent book, building your permaculture property. By the way, I'm going to be bringing in Yash's comment about the students and themselves not even using the process they preach, and um, hopefully throw some listeners and readers and future permaculture authors into the into the unknown to me it's not that hard to actually just pull a lot of the the, the formulaic methodologies stepwise procedures we use pull them out of the way is is really fundamentally flawed and, and misleading and unhelpful and at first that's like i've had people on courses who have spoken of it like an experience of falling into the unknown because i've taken away their no i don't want to say their crutch but i've taken away the thing they thought they needed to be able to keep going and so then it's like and then what and then there's all this great stuff and yet the, there's a this huge issue that i'm aware of which is that it comes back to the comprehension and participation distinction we or you know, comprehending and participating we talked about earlier is that the the fragmented reductionistic mechanistic perspective we've been born and raised in runs so deep in us you know so deep in our cells and veins and bones as it were i mean it's not true if you actually look at any of those things they're not there's none of that in them but deep into this the the most fundamental let's say <laughs> what have become the building blocks of our mind and mental machinery and this was to me this is a big part of alexander's effort in the fourth volume it was like look all this work i've done you know as deep as it's gone as profound and well he didn't say that but you know to me as profound as it is as it is and was comes to nothing if we can't actually clean up the underlying cosmology it's all being interpreted from because straight away that will just twist it back into another mechanistic procedure or dumb it down into a copy and pasteable bullet point list of of linear steps that just can never ever generate what's being talked about and is actually a distortion of what it is in the first place so there's a real there's a fear in me that as soon as i really launch into this and sharing it this is the challenge of how do you communicate it through a podcast or a book or whatever I mean, the most powerful way I've found so far is by walking with somebody, you know, by actually walking through the experience of a more living process. But it's incredible, you know, like right now in the conversation with Dakota, we're having a lot of to and fro and there's some tensions and stuff and it's exciting and dynamic and I think ultimately really constructive. But just just like, because you know, my, my experience, and again, my story, one of many, is I'm looking at this door, like we're in this mechanistic cage and there's this beautiful doorway and there's, there's life waiting on the other side, waiting for us to be alive and participate in life and contribute to life. And um, I, I haven't gone that far outside of the door, but if, you know, the particular door I'm talking about, there's probably other ones I, I've, I've taken a few excursions. And yet people will engage with my best attempts to, to kind of communicate something of it. And, and the response will often be, but aren't we just talking about exactly the same thing with different words? Or thank you for affirming exactly what I do. And to me, where I stand, it's super clear to me that what, what's being done right here is, is another mechanistic, linear, formulaic, intellectually dominated, impositional procedure that achieves the same old stuff. You know, this fairly imposed, um, clunky, fragmentary outcomes. And I'm talking about something that aspires to something that's just, it's just really different. So right now, I'm, 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 pouring, I'm, pouring, I'm pouring life force into trying to shine a light on that distinction. And in a lovely place I've come to is I've, I've really realized it's really landing in me that I don't need, I don't need hardly anyone to accept the distinction. 
I, I appreciate the fact that some people are seeing it, some people do see it. And in a way that, that lets us build a, a team of expeditionaries where we can then really cut loose. But man, it's like, it's a multi-generational thing. Even, even just to kind of take baby steps at this point. I, lo I, I really loved hearing, Bill, at the start, you were talking about how you get this as a, well, this is a big deal for you. It's a big deal for me. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm committed. I'm taking my time. Sometimes I feel like I'm going around in circles or going off in tangents. But I do have this larger, I do have this larger mission or intent in mind. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll get to such and such a point in a few months, and then it turns a couple of years goes by. <laughs> Are you familiar with there's a there's a someplace online, uh, Bill Mollison giving this talk. And he's, he's talking about media and the difference between media and that the only way work gets done is it, it, there has to be differences for work to get done, that there's an exchange. The media are trying to become more like each other. Mm. So that, that exchange is what creates work. And when I was listening to you and Jason last night, and making some notes on that conversation, you know, I was thinking about the dualistic nature of, of our, our mind and the fact that to have a word, to have any word in there, there's going to be the opposite word. You know, there's big and small and good and bad. And, you know, so the media that we work with, and, and there's a great quote by Alexander, which I love, which said the only the only media flexible enough to, to design in is, mm. is your mind. Is your mind, yeah. yeah. You can't put it on paper and you can't use a computer. But the thought came to me last night that, you know, we're reductionistic, I think, because we're dualistic, because we, we have to operate in this negative, positive system, good, bad, up, down, bright, dark, whatever those opposites are. So our mind tends to be reductionistic anyway and again if all work gets done because of differences across interfaces of media or whatever I had the thought last night that does every breakthrough every epiphany every time we get to a point is it just the next batch of information that we feed into the bottom part of Josh Aurora's field process model, because today it's an epiphany, it's exciting, but somebody starts to study it and it makes them confused. And now they're in that same process. They're, they're, they're immersed in this information that we spent, or you perhaps spent years unraveling and putting together in a concentrated way so that we could go, oh, I get that. It seems like it's just an iteration. As long as, as long as we have thinking humans on this planet, there's just going to be these iterations of, of this. And, and, and I do think what you're talking about doing, Dan, is, is literally creating a new cosmology, if you will, because we can't go forward removing the, 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 the pressures, the, what did you call it, uh, eliminating tensions. I don't, I don't think we can go forward in that if we're, if we're caught up in when you and Jason were talking about the willingness to want to fight and, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, such a massive, juicy situation, isn't it? 
and, and to, to me, so it's so unseparate from the plight of the world or plight of humanity anyway, is that, and that, that scares the hell out of me. I think I said that in the, in the talk with Jason, is, is that we, did, we default to mechanistic solutions to solve problems that are caused by mechanist, you know, the root cause is, is arguably fragmented or mechanistic thinking. So we're trying to solve, we're trying to put out a f fire by pouring the, the highly flammable material that we started the fire with onto the fire. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's I, going on. A few years ago, I said, you know, it, meditation and the various Buddhism, Zen and religions, it, it, they're saying, I am going to open my mouth and I'm going to emit words and I'm going to try to lead you forward with those words hmm. to the point where you stop using words. Because if you can get to that point where you can quiet the mind and start to experience this, experience things, you know, there's a, there's a truer connection and reality there. But the dilemma is we're trying to get you to know words by using words. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting one because it's something I've heard a lot. And I've, I remember I enjoyed jamming about this with Dave Jackie one time, one of the episodes. But when people first engage with some of the stuff, one of the early responses is, yeah, sure, Dan, but, you know, like we've got to learn to walk or crawl before we can walk. You know, surely we need to give people a, a linear stepwise formulaic procedure and all this with all its flaws just to get, get in motion, you know, and then later on we can, I don't know. I mean, the implication is later on we can tell them that was all convenient bullshit or something and get them, I don't know, back on the path or the track or something. Whereas for me, I, I don't, I don't probably don't have that much proof yet. But my experience so far is why would we, why would we take people's hand and lead them in like the opposite direction that we're interested in going with the idea that that's going to somehow help us get in the direction we're going, you know, why wouldn't we, and the direction I'm talking about is life and aliveness. Why wouldn't we walk directly toward that with no compromise, no U-turns? Is that even possible? The default perspective seems to be, no, that's not possible. We can't do that. You know, we can't go directly towards life. That's just not what we, we, what we need to do first is go with our trusted <laughs> whatever that have all come from somewhere else. And somehow that's going to yeah. get us there, which to me is there's, there's something not quite right about that whole perspective. Two things come to mind, if I can remember both. Um, one is um, the, the pattern language. You know, I one of the things I've taken to doing here lately is I'll read, uh, you know, two or three paragraphs in uh, a timeless way. Hmm. And then I'll read... Uh, two or three paragraphs out of the, the blue book. And then I'll read now, just currently, I've been reading Dave Jackie's book. And then I'll just sit and contemplate for a little while. Hmm. And I pulled out the pattern language the other day and I went outside and I was imagining maybe a little extra deck sitting partially down the hill and feeling what that would feel like to sit on that deck to have a little privacy from the people coming in and hmm. A river out in front of our place and to, to, so once you're sitting down you'd be kind of isolated and you know and you start to get a feel for like oh that that would feel really good and uh so the, to me the pattern language seems like the way forward because it allows you 
it allows you to envision and start to feel the elimination of those tensions as you imagine constructing a site, a, a deck, uh, you know, a, a transition, a porch, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And and the second thing that came to mind from your comments there was, um, have you seen the movie Karate Kid? Wonka, yeah. So, you know, wax on, wax off, you know. So when you say you're leading them the wrong way, well, you know, the, the wax on and wax on happen to be a defensive, they happen to be defensive maneuvers that came handy during his first tournament. And same thing with painting the fence. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so there is, there is, a process and there is a discipline um, or there has to be, I believe, to move forward in, in, in this. Um, and, and yeah, what a, doesn't that seem to be the dilemma you're trying to balance Dan is that you want them, you want them to get to that point where they go, Oh my God, this is amazing. This, this is the right solution for this little spot right here. I can feel it. But yet, how did they get there? How did they get there? How do you get them there? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, yeah, I yeah. Mean, and that's why I sent you the list of all this stuff I've been digging into all these years because it's been a long time to get to the point where I'm starting to go, oh, oh, I can, I can see that I've done this right because I can feel that I've done this right, but it took an awful long time. And of course I had to go do it my own way. Like the place, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe there's an argument in a way going deeper into the belly of the beast to, because, and that's what happens. Like Yasha talked about so a lot of permaculture designers. I mean, a lot often initially it's like the, the clients aren't understanding or they're not doing what we said, or, you know, that, that's where it starts. We go back and check and, they completely stuffed it up or they didn't honor our beautiful ideas. But one way or another, that whatever they were taught and what they start practicing, cracks start to appear in it. And maybe it's only when those cracks start to appear that that generates the will necessary. Because it takes a lot of will, right? Like I, I'm a very driven person. I have a lot of will. And it's taken a lot of will to keep to keep going. And at times it's a lonely, lonely journey, although it's decreasingly so. There's, it feels like there's so many complementary threads um, around the world at the, at the moment. And part of what I'm doing at the moment is, and, and it seems to be working pretty well. Like uh, Renata, the illustrator I talked about, she's engaging with a lot of the stuff for the first time. I'm not sure whether she's done a permaculture design course yet, but she's able to read what I'm writing and, and actually pick up on it and, and bring that into projects she's working on. And none of that is about, let's, let's do it the old way and, you know, to me go backwards for a while. It's still rigorous. It's, there's, and there's still things, you know, this is something you can do. And then you can do this and you try this. and But it's introducing a different way of looking, a different terminology as we go along. One thing I'm, I'd be good to get a perspective on, I had an epiphany around the use and misuse of the metaphor of a step. So to me, that's another very kind of insidious way that mechanistic thinking corrupts our, I was going to say corrupts our operating systems, but <laughs> they're everywhere now, these mechanistic metaphors. But um, yeah, I, I realized that the, we just so easily default to here's a five or a seven step. We call it a process, but it's, it's not a process to me. It's a procedure or a formula or a methodology. 
and what we're doing there is we're, we're and, and then oft, you know, often the first step will be some variation of observe and the second step, some variation of design and so on. Well, often observe people, observe place, design, implement, evaluate. By calling those things steps, we're not only really confusing the whole metaphor of a step, like it's, if you look, just peel a few layers away, it actually just falls apart. It's, it's logically unsound. <laughs> which if you're interested, I could try and have a practice explaining that. But, then, but it also, it's kind of steals the, the word step away when the, when, the, when the idea of taking steps is such a powerfully useful metaphor and reality in any, in any living process. It's just that you can't prescribe the steps in a, in a process that's alive. You can't say up front that you'll go through these five steps. The steps themselves, just, just like the thing that you're creating is revealing itself and you know, gradually emerging the steps to support that emergence that they themselves you know the process itself and that, that's one of the biggest i don't think that, that might be interesting to actually so let's just park the thing about steps this other thing is realizing that at first i was focused on the thing like the dam the property the clients you know su supporting them to actually develop the, the property or the this the, the, the sense of thing we're supposed to be that hired me to help them with. But then over time, I realized what my real work was, was actually supporting the development of a process, a different kind of process, a more alive process. And trusting that that process is going to generate all the other stuff. That's really hard at first too, is just learning to pull the actual fact there's a process at play here. And it's, it, you can pull it, you can't take a photo of it, but you can pull it into the back, into the foreground and you can ask questions of it and start to understand where is it sourced, where is it heading, what metaphors are driving it, you know, what worldviews are driving it, and so how alive is it? And you can start to make nodal interventions with questions and other, and other interventions to, to like perturb the trajectory of the process and to, and to actually um, in, enhance its wholeness. You, know, like you, can, you can bring Alexander's idea of wholeness enhancing transformations. How do I transform? How do I intervene in a way that actually honors what's there and supports the the latent beauty to come out into the open more, prunes away the garbage and so on. And in the process mm. brings more life and beauty and wholeness into the world. You mm. put the process itself in the foreground, you know, which is to me, that's quite new and, and really exciting. And I've, I mean, I've never, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that talked about anywhere in, per, in permaculture. The closest would be Dave Jackie, you know, who's done some incredible work. And yet, as, he, as he don't, he'll freely acknowledge, it's like it's all baby steps. We're all just kind of squint, squinting at the moon here. Right, a thought came to mind as you're describing that. I'm, I'm thinking of watching uh, a video of embryological development. You know, you're yeah. watching this thing, just this this buzzy activity inside this thing, and it's shifting, and it's and it's changing, and it's. <sighs> I think when the change is enough, we might apply the word step to it, but we'd almost have to apply it after we observed it. Mm. So this, 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 this unfolding, this life process, when you, you know, the, the word intervene, I have struggled with that, you know, so if I was watching something embryological, maybe it's an alien, so it's big, right? Mm. Not tiny. <laughs> I don't want to intervene. I want to hug it. I want yeah. to hug it to support it and to allow it to unfold. And maybe my heart and spirit and soul and intention and it would interact in such a way that the, the next level of enfoldment might be different than it would have been if I wouldn't have been hugging it. 
uh, it makes me think of that saying that struggle isn't what is what is the end of that struggle well it's necessary is what it is biologically struggle is necessary you take a butterfly out of a canoe cocoon or whatever and it just screws things up so you know so as you were saying there i just i thought yeah that word intervene i've been struggling with the word intervene because if this is a living process that's unfolding yeah i don't want to intervene it's like using a hatchet it's like i'm going to hack off a piece and it's going to go that way because you know no i want to i want to hug it and, and, and bring our intentions into, into harmony, if I can, and let it unfold in a new direction. Yeah, that's useful. It, 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 one thing I'm doing with the, with the book, I'm writing two books, and one of them is about living design process, and I'm spending time with the language, you know. There's no perfect language, but, but I might I look, I look into the word intervention. I'm not sure if I use it that much, but there's a, there's a sense it has for me of coming in from outside, which is not what I'm talking about. And then Carol used nodal intervention, and she's she's generally beaten the words she uses with a stick. But um, yeah, thanks for that. It's fun to be um, you know, getting in dialogue, uh, and I, I I'm really appreciating how much life you're bringing. You know, enthusiasm and really grappling and struggling the struggle. You know, the the the, the, mm. the, the beautiful struggle. Mm. Thank and, you. And and the will. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh... I felt, like I said earlier, I'd gotten far enough in this that I felt I could bring some value to a conversation. So mm-hmm. wanted wanted to wanted to do that. So yeah, yeah. And, and I knew I knew you would bring value. I want to share something with you that I don't I don't know if this will have any usefulness, Dan. But um, a few years ago, one of my patients came in and he was reading a book called The Information. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. And I'm going to paraphrase and beat the hell out of it. But um, as this concept, they started out talking about jungle drums, literally had, they had a language with drums. And as it got more and more complex, um, they, they were talking about black holes and when matter goes into a black hole, the scientists are struggling with where the information goes. Mm-hmm. And I remember two things. One was somewhere towards the end of that book, they, they talked about life being the expression of information through matter. And in a, in a chiropractic textbook, textbook in 1910, uh, Bartlett Joshua Palmer wrote, the, the chiropractic meaning of life is the expression of intelligence through matter. And I, I, you know, it was one of those moments like you're like, oh my God, my own profession in, eight, in 1910 was, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're just kind of figuring this out. But out of that came that concept of the black hole in the information. And I remember talking to people saying, you know, if I had a grain of sand in my hand, right? The molecular instructions for a grain of sand is right there in the grain of sand. Because if it was the molecular instructions for rice, I'd have a grain of rice in my hand, not sand. Mm-hmm. And, and that concept that, that information is infused with matter 
there, there's some nugget in that for, mm. for me. I don't, I don't know why, and, and I don't even remember exactly where I had it in my notes here to, to, to bring that up. But I was just hopeful that that might be a concept that had some, some usefulness in, in this thing, in this process of trying to understand. One thing that resonates with is um, I've been just getting in conversation with Tim Murphy, who's an ex-regenesis person. And in an article he wrote, Patterns and Process, he talks about how um, kind of something like t tissue builds from energy flow. You know, as en energy flows, tissue builds from that place. It's just sort of, you know, it's like the way information moves, then, then matter emerges. I think there's, there's a resonance there. I think what just came to mind is, is as that organism that I hug is unfolding it's already got information instruction guiding its its differentiation and its its development and moving forward process and once i hug it i have now brought my information and my intention because intention is information it's instruction mm -hmm. it's it's an imagined instruction for a future you'd like to have manifest so the minute I hug that growing thing as it's differentiating, my energy field and it, its energy field start to co-inform each other mm. and it changes the trajectory of that, that outcome. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so bringing that back to then where we are with the work, with the, with the permaculture work. Yeah, I mean, to walk, to, to, I loved when you said the, the best way to help folks arrive at this is to walk with them. I've always, I remember my wife one night, I, we, we, there was something going on and we got in bed and we needed to talk about it and I said, can I get up and pace? <laughs> I need to move because if mm. I'm going to explain this, you know, and again, from my chiropractic work, mm. we know for sure that the, the brain works way better when we're moving than mm. when we're not. Mm. So I can imagine being out moving around a piece of property with, with a student or a client or a child or your spouse uh, and, and, yeah, and, and and feeling it and harmonizing yeah, with hardly. Yeah, and in, yeah. in possibility management, they they talk they they have, they have a lot of distinctions, and they talk about landing the distinction in your your intellectual body or in your mind, and and that has its place and can be a good precursor because because the, these particular distinctions are often when they when they land in the rest of you, they're pretty intense. And so you, because your mind's had a forewarning, it has, it's had a taste, it's got something to hold on to, it can sort of not freak out totally as, as, as the thing moves forward. And what I'm talking about is not, doesn't have that kind of intensity. It often has power, but um, that's what I'll try and do is give some people some intellectual handles. It's not the thing, right? The, the actual thing is then to walk and to experience. And oh my God, is that what, oh my God, you know, I felt that too and so on. Which, which lines up so much of it is about getting it out of the 
in part of my personal journey too, getting getting it out of the mind into the in, into the other the physical and energetic and emotional aspects of who we are. It's so funny, yeah. And, the, and you talk about this, like the was it, I don't know, the Zen or whatever Buddhist, but but using words to support people to arrive at a state of wordlessness. It's it's kind of frustrating in a way. You know, they have their place, but just the, the the effortless, ecstatic beauty of being inside a living process, where you're just in resonance and the dance is happening and amazing things are unfolding. That's, you just want to say that, that, that. But um, you need then you need books and yeah, podcasts. That's and, where I think the weeping comes in, Dan. I really do. I I think I think when we are standing in front of something that we so resonated with during the process of putting it together that that's what I think the weeping is. The weeping is the mind just going, you did it. You don't need me. I'm done. This is heart. Mm. You know, this mm. is heart. Cause yeah, it's, it's such a, an amazingly deep and powerful emotion to get to that point where you just, you're so, you feel so grateful or yeah. I, saw, I saw this great single, single little cartoon a little box and there were two figures at the bottom of the box the box is all white and it's the two little figures you're seeing their back and they're both in orange robes and one is obviously an adult and he's holding the hand of a little child next to him so the back we're looking at their back mm -hmm. and the whole box in front of them let's say is all white mm -hmm. and the caption reads just think Someday, all of this will be yours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just think, Dan, that maybe, maybe, maybe we need to put some vines in there and some, you know, maybe that, maybe that, that whole box is going to just unfold with, with the growing process of life, edible life and fruits and berries and who knows what. So there we are. Awesome. I feel like the minute I shut this thing off, what's going to rush into my heart is this idea of embracing mm. a living process. And then I, I form with it and I start to unfold with it. I'm not mm. telling it what to do. I'm not, it's just, it's already alive. It's yeah. like the orchestra thing, man. Just and, and 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 if you're the infant and you're deaf and you're blind, the only thing you can do is resonate, right? Hmm. You ever notice how many words we use that are sound-based, dissonance, resonance? There's a lot of there's a hmm. lot of words that are, are sound-based. So yeah, to to start hugging the the the, the big bass, what do they call yeah. that thing? Bass. Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to, the child crawls over and starts to feel that resonance and holding it and, you know, and, and maybe that's what ultimately leads to that child being first chair cello or something, who knows, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, if you, <laughs> if there's anything here that's podcastable, let's go for it. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Dan. God bless.